Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Greg Gatlin and Michelle Wallace from Gatlin's Barbecue coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. He is a passionate advocate for the Houston food scene. We follow him on Instagram at thatguyhouston. Matt Harris, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing well, sir. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Bojangles, the North Carolina-based fried chicken chain, has revealed its plans to open at least three Houston area locations, starting with Humble, the Woodlands, and Conroe. Matt, I, I sort of compared Bojangles to In-N-Out Burger in the sense that it is a regional favorite that inspires some some pretty uh, serious adulation from its devotees. Let me throw it to you. Have you experienced Bojangles? I would be one of those, as you say, devotees. Yes. So tell the people kind of maybe what it is you like about Bojangles, because I I had a similar experience the last time I was in the Carolinas and, and really enjoyed it. Um, start with it's delicious. Very important. <laughs> Very descriptive. <laughs> uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Popeye's. Now, let's slow your roll. I'm not suggesting it's better than Popeye's. But uh, if it was a, a local spot, and I guess it will be a local spot, when that rotation comes up, it'll be on the rotation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the other thing that really sets Bojangles apart is their biscuits. They are, you know, super flaky, like very buttery. They're just a, it's a, even by the standards of sort of fast food biscuits, it's a very good fast food biscuit. I I will say, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to risk whatever shred of dignity I have, it's a better biscuit than Popeye's. Yeah. The biscuits at Popeye's aren't great. The chicken is, I like the chicken. I like the sides. I'm in on all that. The biscuits are kind of the letdown. Give me, give me, frankly, give me a Whataburger biscuit over a Popeye's biscuit. Yeah. They're a little hit, hit or miss. And, but when they hit, man, they hit. And, and Bojangles is, is a, got a nice, real high percentage on the hit rate for biscuits. No, absolutely. And look, I mean, this is, uh, we're not going to see it until probably early next year and it will be up in Humboldt. So I I do think there's going to be, you you know, when this opens, there will be the the same kind of fervor as these sort of other regional restaurants, you know, huge line in the drive-thru, you know, lots of buzz. I just, People really love this restaurant, I guess, is, is sort of my, my macro point here. No, I think that's fair. And uh, if nothing else, perhaps can't think of a, uh, a better song, a restaurant, fast food or otherwise, that's named after a better song than Mr. Bojangles. <laughs> you know, I was trying to figure out a way to work in a reference to that song into the article but then it's kind of a depressing song it's kind of a sad song. it's it's a little real yeah it's a little it, it gets it's it's not quite wasn't quite the vibe i was going for but yes 
an excellent that, song. that country realism. Yeah. All right. Let us move on to topic number two. The team behind Monkey's Tale has updated their plans for Grease Monkey. This is their new concept that's opening in the former petrol station space. It will be anchored by tacos and an extensive selection of tequila and other agave spirits. They have also hired Lainey Column, the bartender who has worked at Hay Merchant and Prohibition and Yawacha and a whole bunch of other places to be their beverage director. Uh, Matt, let me throw it to you. What do you think? Are you intrigued by Grease Monkey? Well, I, I think the the two words that you said there that uh, were uh, perhaps the most important, Lainey Column. Oh, good. No, I, I completely agree with you. She is a, a true talent, a very experienced beverage professional, both on the cocktail side and on the beer side. I, I At the risk of being wrong, I believe she is a, a Cicerone, which is the you know, the beer certification that's somewhat equivalent to being a a certified sommelier. So, you know, this is a woman who's got a lot of great experience and a real passion for what she does. And I'm, I'm thrilled that she's come back to Houston. She's been in California for the past couple of years. I will happily let you be wrong. I am not sure. Uh, I will say as, as a non-drinker, this is big news to me. Um, I'm a big Laney fan. I think it's great that she's back. I think it's uh, great for uh, uh, the city of Houston. I think it's great for Monkey Tail, Grease Monkey. Um, so, yeah, that's exciting stuff. Well, and, and as a non-drinker, she has said that she wants to put a, put a spotlight on what she calls a free-spirited menu of uh, non-alcoholic cocktails. So you'll, you'll be in good hands at both uh, concepts, I suspect. I, I've had the pleasure of having some of her non-alcoholic concoctions. They are thoughtful, elevated, and delicious. So Yeah, and, and we should say, I mean, Monkey's Tail has kind of gone through some changes. You know, I had uh, Greg Perez on the show. He left to start um, Night Moves Hospitality with Lyle Bento. Um, but, you know, Stephen Ripley has always sort of been involved with them on the culinary side. He is still involved. And, you know, I think, I think the food at Monkey's Tail is sort of better than you expect it to be. It's, it's, always, it's always been very affordable, um, pretty tasty. And, and so I'm really curious to see what they do with, uh, with Grease Monkey because I think it could be a really nice addition to Garden Oaks. Put me in that same category, Daddy. <laughs> All right. Let us move on to topic number three. Etta, an Italian restaurant from Chicago built around a Wood-fired oven and grill is coming to the Texas Tower. That is the 47-story office tower currently under construction on the site of the former Houston Chronicle building. It's interesting. This is sort of built as a neighborhood-style Italian restaurant. You know, pastas in the teens and 20s, entrees in the 30s, um, with maybe some kind of larger shareable stuff that gets a little more expensive, but I thought it was interesting that that, you know, a quote unquote neighborhood restaurant is going into a downtown high rise. So I don't know, Matt, what do you, what do you think? I mean, is this a fit for downtown? Uh, I don't know that it's not, not a fit, but uh, I think that 
that genre is certainly being more served, but uh, it, I think there's still still room on the uh, on the landscape in Houston for that. And you know, downtown certainly nothing against downtown. I'm a I'm a big big fan of downtown in general, but could use some little little step up in the uh, culinary scene. Uh, there's been some movement that way and that's exciting. I think it's uh, the more vibrant downtown is. I think it's, it's better for the city uh, on a kind of large level. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, we're going to see, I think a lot of changes sort of coming downtown over the next six months to a year. Uh, Obviously Ed is part of that. The renovation of the Barbara Jordan post office is going to have a big culinary component with everything from sort of, you know, sit down restaurants, uh, one on the roof to, you know, food hall style stands. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's an, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting time for downtown. And, and, you know, this is maybe sort of the latest sign that, that the neighborhood that was maybe hit the hardest from a bar and restaurant perspective during the pandemic is making a comeback. Absolutely. Uh, agreed. Uh, as I'm want to do with your, uh, your insights there, Daddy. Uh, I'm not super. I, I haven't uh, too familiar with with Ed. I familiar with their other concept, Maple and Ash, and that's pretty well regarded. Kind of high end white tablecloth, steakhouse, seafood spot in Chicago. So you know, it's it, 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 there's some there's some legs there. Yeah, I mean, this is part of the What If Syndicate, which is a Chicago-based restaurant group. They've got a bunch of properties in Dallas. Uh, and one of them is called Monarch, which is kind of a Italian-inspired upscale steakhouse. They're going to put Annetta up there too. I, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think this is all to the good. And, and, if it's, and if it's delicious, then we'll eat there. And if it's not, then, you know, we'll go somewhere Other people else. will eat there. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> right. If, if nothing else... Uh, if nothing else, I guess Vincent and Elkins is moving into that building. So if nothing else, all those partners will have some place to eat lunch. It is a beautiful building. Absolutely. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We will be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Matt, I kind of sped through the news of the week because I'm really excited about our restaurants of the week this week. I want to talk to you about two new all-day cafes that have recently opened. Let us start with Agnes. This is the new Mediterranean-inspired cafe and market uh, that took over the Tropicalis space at the corner of Bissonette and Shepherd. Matt, let me just throw it to you. What did you think about Agnes? I liked it. I liked it. I I, uh, I I don't think they did too much with the interior. Same sort of concept. You know, you walk up to the counter and order, find a table. They bring the food out. But, uh, you know, the menu reads really well. I think you can go in there for, you know, a couple of different ideas. If you're kind of just feeling... You want to stop for a quick neighborhood salad? That's certainly an option. Um, I uh, split the uh, 
burger with uh, one of our dining companions. It was a lamb burger, lamb kofta burger, I believe is how it reads on the menu. And it was fantastic. Yeah, I was, I, I got a bite of that lamb burger. I was really impressed. I mean, usually lamb patties, obviously, you know, is it dry is always the big question. This was super juicy, very flavorful. You know, you want it to taste like lamb without being too funky. I thought it accomplished all of that. You know, the menu is sort of Spanish, Turkish, you Mediterranean, know, Mediterranean in a broad sense. Uh, I had a steak kebab with this really, uh, you know, this really fluffy, nicely cooked rice. I mean, the steak was cooked right. You know, I had a a very comforting um, red pepper soup that I really enjoyed. I thought, you know, and, and like you said, they didn't they didn't make many changes to the interior. I don't think they really had to. Uh, they did add some sound deadening. I know that. And you know, it's just like it'll be. Uh, you know, right now they're doing breakfast and lunch. They'll add dinner. Uh, in a few weeks and I just feels like a really nice addition to the neighborhood. I think so. And, and, you know, I thought the service was enthusiastic, but appropriate. And, um, you know, they've got a a little, a a counter there in front where you can, you know, buy, there was some, some Gruyere cheese uh, that I kind of had my eye on some, some different specialty drinks that are available. I believe they kept the coffee program as well. So coffee's available and, yeah, just it was it was it's just a nice lunch. I think it's going to do really well for lunch and if you and dinner as well, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I I think it could be kind of that. You know, maybe I don't know that I would think of it maybe as a family friendly spot. I think it's more like an escape for the parents in the area. You know, uh, order a pizza for the kids, maybe wander over and have a a roast chicken or a steak frites or something like that. I mean. I think that's kind of the, the direction that they're hoping to go. And and like you said, I mean, that market is, you know, designed to be just kind of a satisfy a bunch of different cravings, right? There's, there's pastries, there's charcuterie, there's cheese, there's wine, um, there's different juices. So, you know, if you, if you need a snack or if you're, you're going over to someone's house and you don't want to show up empty handed, you can stop by Agnes, you can, you can purchase a couple of things and then, and then you're you're a good guest, which is always a nice thing to be. And snack on a burger. Yeah, and get a burger to go because who knows who knows if the food at the the house party is going to be any good or not. See, I like the way you're. That's th- what we call a win win, Daddy. I like the That's way you're how we thinking. try to draw them up. <laughs> All right. So, in addition to Agnes, I want to talk to you about Nopo Cafe. This is the new concept from Ben Berg of B and B Butchers and. BB Lemon and, and all that. Nopo means North Post Oak, which is kind of, uh, it's not really an area that I thought of as a neighborhood, but it's sort of uh, north of I-10, east of Spring Branch and west of Timber Grove, which is really uh, situated for people. It's, it's in the same building as the, their corporate office. Um, and he's hired Chef Jose Hernandez to kind of run the thing. So, you know, we know Jose from all kinds of places over the years. Uh, Trinity, most recently of Lucienne at the Hotel Alessandra and uh, Radio Milano and City Center before that. Matt, that's a long windup, but let me let me throw it back to you. What did you think of Nopo Cafe? Uh, I liked it. I liked it. It's sort of, it sort of divided into two sections. 
kind of a the, the front section is a little more casual kind of to go ordering uh but they have seating there as well you know large pastry case and uh the back has some bar seating with tables and a little more kind of i think that's where you go for for lunch and dinner and and a small patio as well we opted not to sit outside we uh sat in that front section and had lunch and it was uh also had a burger there and, and uh you know not not eating the bun it was interesting just back to agnes cafe the, the lamb burger read really really well uh without without the bun and i just felt like the the burger at nopo kind of needed that bun to pull it all together um there was nothing really wrong with it um but uh I just and that that bun looked delicious too. So I was kind of eyeing longingly at that bun, and and uh, I'm gonna gonna let you speak since you did eat the bun and and talk about the burger. Yeah, no, I I did eat the bun, and and I do think it was it was kind of the right. I I, I sort of struggle with this. It had sort of the right amount of squish, right? Like it was a sturdy platform. It held up to how juicy that patty was. It didn't overwhelm the other flavors, but it did sort of complement them. And I do think it probably ate better with the bun than without the bun. Um, but it's a good burger. I mean, a half pound, you know, lettuce, tomato, caramelized onions, which I always like. We got it with cheddar. Yeah, I, a, a solid, a lot of good burgers in this town. This one isn't, uh, it's a solid, a solid burger choice. I will say the thing that really impressed me was the po' boy. Uh, shrimp and oysters, fried very well a little bit strange because it comes with it comes almost dressed like a banh mi uh cucumbers carrots lettuce radishes lettuce radishes jalapenos which is maybe a little certainly not traditional um but not undelicious i might say and uh you know it it was so overstuffed with seafood i had to kind of pick off the top layer before i could actually pick up the sandwich and then you also had a a chicken pyre that looked pretty good. Uh, it was. It was very good, and uh, actually got brownie points because uh, I had a few bright bites and um, took the uh, rest of it home to the significant other who uh, had it for for dinner and uh, was very happy. Yeah, I and I I was sort of impressed. I mean, you know, this uh, this is an area with a ton of restaurants. Uh, we saw you know a couple of people that we knew just sort of randomly um and i and i do think if you sort of work in this area uh this is kind of your lunch spot you know and and if you're an apartment if you live in an apartment nearby you know this makes for kind of a casual dinner you know they have cocktails they have beer and wine obviously uh it's all sort of set up to be available to go and you can kind of do what you want you know you want to you want a burger you know you spend 20 bucks you want Steak Freech, you maybe spend closer to 40 bucks, but it's, uh, it's, it's flexible. And, and I think that's, that's very useful. And I think the portion size were very, very fair. Most notably your uh, po' boy, which, uh, as you said, was, was overstuffed, overflowing with fried goodness. Uh, but the chicken <laughs> paillar was sizable as well. So, and, you know, nice salads, nice service, nice space, you know, just, I absolutely could uh, see myself 
going back to both Agnes and Nopo. No, absolutely. And, and I will say right after you, uh, after you, you had to run because you had, you had to work, but I, they offered me dessert and I had a tiramisu that, uh, I mean, I'm, I don't know that I've ever had a truly bad tiramisu, like, but you know, maybe I've never met a, a tiramisu I didn't like, but uh, I, I really enjoyed this one. And, and Jose is a very accomplished uh, pastry chef. Uh, you know, anyone who's familiar with his work at a place like Trinity knows that. And so, you know, I'm happy to see him back in the kitchen. I'm happy to see him, you know, in an accessible venue, you know, not that the Alessandro wasn't beautiful or that he wasn't doing a good job, but uh, I'm much more likely to see him at Nopo than I, I would have been at, at the Alessandro. And so I'm, I'm happy for that too. No, I, I think that's right. I, you know, that's some serious cooking chops there, you know, and, and Mr. Berg's uh, empire is, is not shrinking by any stretch of the matter. And so uh, I think that's a strong addition and probably is, a good, good omen for uh, Nopo Cafe. All right, Matt, I'm going to say that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. We're done. We're done. Okay. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted, daddy. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. I will be right back with Michelle Wallace and Greg Gallup. I am joined this week by Michelle Wallace and Greg Gatlin of Gatlin's Barbecue. Michelle, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Greg, thanks for doing this. No problem. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right, Michelle, let me let me start with you. Okay. It it isn't there aren't very many barbecue restaurants with an executive chef who is a separate person from the pitmaster. So, so maybe just talk a little bit about kind of what your role at the restaurant is and, and kind of how you contribute to what's going on at Gatlin's these days. Yeah, I, I had to learn uh, that aspect of barbecue because, um, you know, when I started Gatlin's, I didn't know much about barbecue. I didn't know about how big it was and, and all the technique that it took to create these amazing uh, dishes. And so I was uncertain as to how I would fit in when I first got came aboard. But my role when I first started was trying to, you know, just tighten up some things technically, wouldn't you say, Greg? Um, you know, as far as side dishes, making sure, you know, when we're cooking pasta for the mac and cheese that that's cooked properly. So a lot of technical things I could just kind of help refine. Um, and then the protein wise, we just kind of... Um, uh, apply the same knowledge. Just if, if there were some things that I thought that I could improve on or, you know, help make better, those are the things just technically, I think I, I kind of was able to add. Greg, let me, let me bring you in on this. I mean, you started, you know, sort of in very humble beginnings on 19th street, you moved to that beautiful location in garden Oaks. At what point did you sort of decide that you needed maybe a little more help in the kitchen to kind of grow the restaurant in the way that you wanted to. So when we were looking about thinking about leaving from 19th street, I knew that we were going into a larger location and I knew that I couldn't necessarily produce 
everything uh, solely on my own. Uh, we actually we actually did open the restaurant up <clears throat> on my own, and then uh, Michelle came in. Was that 17? 16, 16, 17, yeah, uh, the following year. And uh, I always knew that I, I wanted, you know, somebody to come in and help with that particular thing. It was just finding the right person. Uh, when Michelle and I connected, and then we kind of started to talk about different things and whatnot, I knew I needed to bring her up to speed as far as, you know, the barbecue world and kind of how it works, uh, how to work the pits, how to hold meat, how to cook meat, season meat, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so once I got her up to speed, then she could apply uh, a lot of the creativity and some of the technical uh, aspects that we needed uh, and that we wanted to wanted to do as far as separating ourselves from, from some of the other uh, barbecue joints out there. So that's that's kind of the the path that we've taken and kind of why and how it, how it happened. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a, a good prompt kind of for my my next question, which is. I think of Gatlin's as kind of unique among Houston barbecue joints in the sense that you, you kind of do the central Texas thing and you kind of do the African-American East Texas thing. Cause you, I mean, you've got, you know, beautifully rendered brisket, but you've also got, you know, the dirty rice and the greens and all that stuff. I, I mean, how has that evolved over time and, and how do you kind of see your, your place in the barbecue world? Oh, I think, you know, I never want to pigeonhole us into into one particular thing uh, as things as, as things come to us, as things become creative to us. We say, hey, does this actually fit into what we can do or is there some type of feature where we can actually feature it? So we never really wanted to say, hey, this is who we are. I mean, this is what we're going to do and this is all we're, all that we're going to do. Uh, so, you know, we, we have our base, you know, kind of what we do and kind of our, our, our background of kind of culturally and, uh, regionally, you know, that particular aspect, but, and we'll dip and dive in, in, into any, any particular thing. And I think that's where, uh, Michelle really thrives, uh, because she has that creativity. She has that knowledge of some different flavors and things like that. So it's always good. And, and it's great for us to actually challenge each other. Uh, you know, we'll go, we'll go in the kitchen and we'll say, okay, Hey, just like, just like we did with the shrimp today. It's like, Hey, what are we, you know, what are we doing? Let's, let's pick out what we have. We got this protein. You know, I don't, I'm not really con concerned about having it taste a certain way, but what do we want that to taste like? And then we go in and we write down and we jot notes and we, we play with the flavor and we say, Hey, that, that particular thing probably won't work as far as getting, getting smoke infused. Do we need fire infused? What do we need it to make that particular dish work? And uh, I think that's where we, I think that's where we work really well. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, Michelle's just, you know, she's, she's just fun to work with, man. She's just fun to work with. And the, we don't have any egos that need to be left at the door. Uh, as, as far as kind of how we, how we do things, which I think is absolutely amazing because you don't find that a lot. Yeah, Michelle, let me, let me bring you back in on this. What is your background and, and, kind of what experiences did you bring to Gatlin's and, and how has that sort of influenced what you're doing here? Well, I um, actually started my restaurant career at Houston's restaurant, the Hillstone restaurant group, which is very, very structured. And I'm very appreciative of that time there. I spent a lot of time there. Um, I actually started front of the house there. Um, and so I think I became um, super knowledgeable about talking with customers in that front of the house in an aspect of service and then got the knowledge uh, back of the house with things being so structured in its recipes 
how to be consistent with a great product um, and the things that that take. And so for me, that was that was monumental for me because I feel like here at Gatlin's, it's I mean, here anywhere that you cook, it's about consistency so that our perfectly rendered bris- brisket, as you say, tastes the same today and the next two years from now. Um, uh, so I went from there. I, I actually graduated from the Art Institute of Houston, the same school as Chris Shepard. I studied in China for like a month. Um, so I got a lot of it, a lot of experience uh, with Asian flavors, which is why sometimes you'll see a lot of Asian flavors pop in. I use a lot of Asian condiments in, in the things that I do. Um, I also worked at a high-end catering company, and I tell Greg this all the time. My experience and my time there has translated extremely well here at the barbecue place because essentially, you know, we're not cooking a la minute. We're cooking and then trying to hold this product and then sell that product at a later time. And and essentially, that's what catering is. When you high-end catering, how do I hold, you know, fillets for, you know, 300 people so that it tastes amazing by the time that they get there? And essentially, it's how do we cook this brisket? How do we cook these ribs at one hour of the day so that the end of the day that they still taste amazing? And so my experience at that catering company has been really, really well here at Gatlin's Barbecue. I also worked under Mark Holly at uh, Peche. I actually worked in its last year that it was open and got uh, a lot of great seafood knowledge there. So, and then from there, I actually came here with Greg. And so my career has actually been very short. I've been so <laughs> blessed in, in, in my projection over the last couple of years with my contribution in, in the culinary world here in Houston. But yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So this is, this is really just for me. Uh, the audience may not, may not care about this, but okay. you worked at Houston's. Yes. Do you know how to make the chicken tenders? <laughs> yes, I know how to make that damn batter. Because they took them off the menu, and it, they did. It, it, I, I was a huge fan of that of that particular dish, and it's just it pains me. So, look, I'm not I'm not telling you what to do or what to serve, but if you wanted to run it as a weekend special, I would probably be there twice a day. Uh, Duly every noted. Day <laughs> I do. I actually do know how to make that recipe, <laughs> but yeah, noted. I we have to, Greg. We have to have to do that one. <laughs> Confer chicken tenders. I yeah, they're the best chicken tenders. I I will hear no counter arguments or debates about you this. and half of Houston feel the same way. <laughs> All right, let me let me shift gears a little bit because Gatlin's is featured in High on the Hog, the new. Netflix series that like really tells the story of how like black chefs, black ingredients really shaped the way that we eat in America. I mean, everything from the obvious stuff like, you know, okra and gumbo to mac and cheese. Yeah. Uh, And you guys are in the fourth episode, which is kind of framed around Juneteenth. So Greg, let me just start kind of at the beginning. I mean, how did you become involved in, in high on the hog? Uh, I actually got a call from the producers uh, asking if, you know, we wanted to, to be involved in it. And uh, they kind of went through a rundown of kind of what it, what it was going to be. And I said, you know, absolutely, absolutely. We'd want to be involved uh, in something like that. And then, so, you know, then, you know, it's kind of started along. They were asking, you know, logistics and so forth and so on. And then uh, actually the first, the first episode I didn't even I didn't even know about the first first episode. They gave me kind of tidbits about it, but I didn't know uh, that they were actually going, you know, across the water. 
for that particular for that particular shot and so forth. And so I mean, it was I was amazed at that. And then I was I really loved how they tied it all together. You know, starting from the coast of Africa, coming across the Atlantic. You know, the settlement. You know, on the east east Atlantic coast, migrating through the region, going, going you know starting to go west and north. Uh, you know, with with food and chefs and so forth. So it was it was amazing how they how they actually how they put it together. And then they ended up, uh, you know, they ended up with some folks like us. You know that we've learned a lot, but we've actually you know we've forgotten a lot as well. Just I mean, we we don't necessarily tap into that to that part of our uh, our African American culture. And it's not that we don't appreciate it or we don't necessarily see it uh, or have seen it. It's just you you get caught up in the hustle and bustle of the day to day and you don't necessarily think and appreciate what's been done. And, you know, you see all these dishes and it's kind of like, there's a black chef producing all that stuff, you know, in the kitchen. And we don't necessarily give them the credit or the appreciation that they deserve, you know, for doing that. And, you know, that's, you know, that's just, that's, that's just America in itself on kind of how, how they dealt with black folks, you know, through, through, through time and whatnot, you know, no knock here or there, but, you know, if we don't highlight those particular things, people don't know. And so that's, uh, that, that was great for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I have to say, I learned a ton from it, just stuff that I had never heard before or never knew about. And, and I mean, the whole, all four episodes are absolutely fascinating. 100%. What I kind of liked about the, the Texas episode is that, he sort of presents uh, y'all and then maybe Chris Williams of Lucille's as kind of like pointing towards the future of black food in America. 100%. I mean, so you, you kind of see, so I, when I guess, I guess they started with uh, Mount Zion, right? Right. Or Zion barbecue down in Huntsville. And you can just see the difference just from, mm-hmm. just from the plating, just for kind of how the food is cooked going all the way through. And it's kind of like, Oh wow. There's a total difference between what they're doing no less attractive or no less, you know, thought provoking or, 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 or delicious or whatnot. It's just, there's just been a difference and in, in, in an evolution and kind of how we cook and how we, how we view the plate itself and how the flavors come up, come onto the plate. And so that's, uh, that, that's the best thing, you know, about it, that you can actually, you can actually see that and that how they present that because, you know, Zion is your, is your kind of, I want to say stereotypical, stereotypical thought of a, of, a, of, a, of a black old barbecue joint. Maybe traditional better than right. stereotypical. Right, right, right. And so when you, when you, when you look at that, um, and then you, start to, then you start to evolve and you see, you see Gatlin's as a barbecue restaurant, then you see Chris. Chris, is the, Chris doesn't bound himself by anything that, that has to be done. You know? And, you know, he didn't, at a dinner that they showed, you know, Chris didn't, he didn't do necessarily chicken or, you know, or barbecue or anything traditional from that particular thing. He did little neck clams of all things. And so, you know, he showed, he showed, he showed his range of kind of what he can do uh, as a chef, black, white, you know, Hispanic, Asian, whatever it is, he just showed his breath as a chef. And uh, that's, that's the beauty of it all that, you know, Hey, these, these, these guys, these guys are creative. They can do exactly what, what they want to do. They don't have to be boxed into, you know, traditional soul food or traditional southern food or whatever that may be now that may be a specialty and what we like to do because our taste buds love it <laughs> but <laughs> you know there's 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 no there's no uh confinement with that 
All right, Michelle, let me let me bring you back in on this. I mean, what was it like for you to be involved in the show and and what has the reaction been from sort of diners as they've they've seen you guys on TV? The reaction has been beyond amazing. Um, much like what you just said, um, it was so much knowledge in just a short amount of time. I actually got a chance to read the book uh, once they first reached out. I bought the book, I read the book, and the documentary shows just a snippet of what the book covers. But even still, it's so much knowledge. And we get folks of all races, all backgrounds who come into the building now telling us um, how they felt more importantly than what they learned while watching it. I think um, what they learned was important as well, but the feeling that they also received and then coming in here and then sharing that feeling and then receiving in that feeling um, as well through our service and our food uh, that, that we serve today. So it's been, it's been amazing to be a part of something so just, just so amazing. Like I, I, I can't put into words how much just as a black female chef that it meant to me to be in. And I was only in for just a short amount of time, but it, it was it was amazing. It's been it's been amazing. We're getting people. Some ladies are in from Las Vegas, all over the country. I mean, it's 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 beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm so happy for you guys just because it, it is such an impressive segment. I mean, it it's what maybe 10 or 15 minutes in one episode, mm -hmm. but it, it really does position you so well and, and portray what you're doing so well. Yeah. Um, I mean, Greg, is this, is this the start of other TV opportunities for you? Have you, uh, are you hearing from production crews? I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be some opportunities that come up. Uh, I, it's, it's so funny because, you know, just from the time we started, you know, coming through now, we've, you know, we've done some television things and so we're not strange to you know strangers to the cameras and whatnot but uh the the, the older i get the more i get into it i like to kind of stay in the background a little bit <laughs> a little bit more but uh you know like i said man we're we're excited we're excited i love i love that michelle is getting to live out her dream uh that is uh, that's rewarding and gratifying to me uh to know that you know hey we've come together and helped build each other's, uh, you know, careers and, uh, and stories as we, as we continue to go. And uh, that's, that, that's, that's really important. Uh, so, you know, whatever come, whatever comes from that, you know, we'll open it, we'll welcome it with open arms and get in to see whatever, whatever that may, Michelle's got a prettier smile than I do. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the record, you both have very attractive smiles. I mean that in a gender neutral, strictly on a human connection kind of level. Uh, well, let me, Michelle, let me ask you kind of about, about that uh, kind of living your dream. I mean, you, you've, you've worked at Gatlin's for a few years now. You've worked at, you worked at Pesce. I mean, you guys do this, uh, you know, this first weekend uh, catfish special, yeah. you know, when the weather gets cool every now and then you, you grace us with that incredible seafood gumbo. I, do. I mean, is there like, um, maybe a more seafood focused kind of concept in the future for you? I mean, is that, uh, is that in the works? Uh, uh yes. <laughs> 
Um, I, first of all, I love working with seafood. There's so much that you can do with seafood. Um, and because we live on the coast, um, we have access to some amazing eats from the ocean. Um, Greg and I are working on another concept. Um, the name of this concept is Fins and Feathers. So it's all things seafood, all things poultry. Um, some of the catfish and, and the uh, black and fish that you see will definitely be on the menu, but, but look out for some more surprises. Like, you know, today we were playing around with some barbecue shrimp, but we have some other cool dishes that we're working on that will be either featured or on the menu at that place. So yes, to answer your question. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, I'm well, I saw you guys. It. I saw you guys run that fried chicken special uh, yeah. about a month ago, and I, <laughs> I couldn't make it, but I, oh. I hope that it might be uh, the start of uh, something in the future because it looked absolutely. Really and do you know? Here's a little fun fact for you. Um, our fried chicken venture, where we got the most feedback, was from the last hurricane. It was the last big hurricane, and we couldn't get products. So we were stuck with what we had and we were trying to service our community, our immediate community here who were out of power and, you know, they didn't have use of their kitchens. And we was like, let's just fry some chicken. And that was one of the first times where we fried it, that we served it to the public and was able to get a response. And so people once kind of, you know, life started to get back to normal after that hurricane, they were like, oh, well, I had fried chicken during the hurricane. I was looking to order it and it was just such an amazing response to it. We featured it here or there just to put some feelers out and it, it just continues to get some great response. So we decided why not? <laughs> All right, Greg, you know, I have to ask, I mean, like, like, is, is there, is there a location? I mean, what's the timing? Like what, when are we going to be enjoying fins and feathers? 100%. So we, we've signed lease, uh, it's the location is 302 West Cross Timbers, which is between the Independence Heights and Garden Oaks and Oaks Forest communities right there. Uh, there's there's really two longstanding restaurants that were stuck that were establishments that were stuck in between uh, Flying Saucer Pie Company and then Barbecue Inn uh, to the east of us. So Barbecue Inn to the east, Flying Saucer to the west. And we're right next door to a fire station. Uh, I think it's the 31 fire station there. So. Hopefully we will be up and running by mid August, mid to late August. Uh, we are working through construction with CNC, CTC contractors right now and uh, Schuster uh, Inc. architecture firm. So hopefully. Uh, yes. Sorry. One of the guests is talking right there. Yeah. You're but, a popular uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yes, that, that is coming very soon. That's uh, that's kind of what we were doing here a little R&D for a particular thing on the menu. Uh, like I said, the, the outstanding fried chicken, outstanding fried fish, blackened fish. Uh, the gumbo will always will be on that menu as well. Uh, we are figuring out our oyster bar situation where we get, we're going to do charbroil the oysters uh, for that as well. So it's uh it's going to be a good little good little eat place for kind of a hidden gem for people, man. Hidden right. gem is just what I was about to say. It's just it's not going to be your stuffy seafood. It's going to be somewhere fun. You can come grab a cocktail, maybe some fried chicken, some seafood, fish sandwich, whatever, you, you know, it, it's going to be amazing. All right. I, I got to say, I'm in for all of those things. I want to <laughs> eat that entire menu. Um, and that's exciting that it's coming up so soon. Yes. 
and, and and I think also one more thing to that's important to say is that we're not necessarily looking to be pigeonholed in your your Cajun fare. So be on the lookout for some some other influences as well. Like I said, you know, I love some Asian flavors, so um, some Indian flavors. We're we're really gonna try to span the globe with flavors, but just done via poultry and seafood. All right. Well, that's very exciting. Let me say that brings me to the end of my questions. Is there something you want to talk about that I haven't asked you about? Um, I just want to say I'm super excited about the Culture Map Tastemakers Awards. I'm so honored to be a part of that this year. I was uh, super surprised. I uh, called Greg early that morning. I was like, did you just see that email? <laughs> so I'm super excited about that. <laughs> well, congratulations. You are Thank nominated you for much. Rising Star Chef of the Year. I am yeah. uh, I am very pleased with our nominees across all the categories. But yes. I, I take special pride in that Rising Star category because I I really do feel like it kind of it kind of lets people know like who to keep an eye on, you know, yeah. who, who maybe they haven't heard about that they need to be aware of. So I don't know why um, she's surprised. I tell her when she told me that I was kind of like, why are you surprised? I was like, you do a good job. I was like. I was like, I was, I was like, be like, I was like, be, be confident. She goes, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always, we see you. That's it, all I can always, say. Always, yeah, man. Yeah, man. But I, I was, I was, I was so happy to hear that. I'm so happy for all the things that you know that she's been doing lately. Uh, from the to this, the taste tastemakers. Oh, she. Oh, never mind. You may not supposed to know about that yet. But uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we'll. All right, I got Stay my tuned. I got my news that I want out of this. We'll, we'll right. wait and find out about the other thing some other time. Um, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Okay. Uh, five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Um, Michelle Wallace, let me start with you. Okay. What is your favorite ingredient? Ooh, fish sauce. Greg, how about you? Hot sauce. Uh, Michelle, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Uh, Criss Cross. <laughs> Greg, how about you? No addition. <laughs> Greg, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Oh, man. Uh, Andre Johnson. Michelle, how about you? Uh, um, Hakeem Olajuwon, actually. All right. Michelle, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Oh, Jack in a Box, bacon and cheddar, potato wedges. <laughs> <laughs> so terrible. That is so terrible. Uh, <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> All right, Craig, what, what is yours? Whataburger, man. Whataburger. Old school Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, Greg, finally, when you go, when you order a pizza, what are your go-to toppings? Oh, man. Uh, mushrooms, sausage, pepperoni, uh, red onions, roasted garlic, and a little bit of red, crushed red pepper. I'm in on all of that. All right, Michelle, how about you? I'm a meat lover's add onion. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> all right. Give us the website and the social media and all that stuff for Gatlin's Barbecue. Gatlin's Barbecue. It's Gatlin's Barbecue, uh, GatlinsBBQ.com for our website. You can order online there and check out all of the happenings with Gatlin's Barbecue there. Um, uh, Instagram is Gatlin's Barbecue spelled all the way out, right? 
B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. And then on uh, Facebook, it's Gatlin's Barbecue and Catering on Facebook. My personal uh, Instagram is Between the Slices. And you can find all the cool stuff that I do there. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank Eric. You, Eric. I appreciate you having us. All right. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks. Thank you.